You may not be... Oh, hello. There we go. Sorry for shouting at you. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah? Sweet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we get to spend together. Um, thank you for your community. Thank you for all these people who set aside time in their week to come and um, participate in community and listen to your word and, and sing and, and eat good food. And I just pray that you would uh, speak tonight or this morning, <laughs> that you would speak and um, that you would give us hearts to hear your voice um, and the courage to uh, receive what is true um, and the wisdom to throw out what is false. Uh, I pray that you would give us grace for one another as we have conversations and um, give us hope for uh, the great things that you have done and that you will do, um, both in our lives and in our community and in this world. Uh, bless this time. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, that was weird. I was moving around. I was facing this way when I started praying, and I was moving around, and I ended up this way. And I opened my eyes. I was like, wait. Sorry. That was weird. You know, like, yeah, like I, I spun without realizing I was spinning and then opened my eyes and was looking in a different direction. Weird. All right. Welcome to the village. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at the village. Um, and we are in series on Daniel. Uh, we're going to finish up chapter one today. Um, Last week, Eric spoke on the first eight, cha- eight chapters, <laughs> the first eight verses of chapter one, um, and we talked about exile. We talked about uh, Daniel and his friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who you probably know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but in chapter one, they're called Hananiah, Mish- Hananiah Mishael, and Azariah. And then it shifts later on to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So today I'm going to say Daniel and his friends, because that's just easier. Um, but Daniel and his friends um, and others from Israel have been taken into exile in Babylon. And in exile, they are being stripped of who they are. They're being stripped of who they are as Israelites, um, they're being stripped of who they are as men, um, and they're being stripped of who they are as, as children of God. So they are even to the point where uh, the Babylonians actually even take away their names, which is why Daniel and his friends have different names, um, because their names meant something. It meant that they were children of God. Um, they actually, Daniel means God is judge and um, one of them means son of, or praise to Yahweh. And the names that they're given are like son of Shaq, um, son of Baal. And they're given these, these names that are connected to Babylonian gods and Babylonian uh, history rather than being children of God and of Israel. And so not only, and then not only are they being stripped of their identity, not only is who they are being taken away from them, but then on top of that, they're being poured into by Babylon. 
So they're being made from Israelites into Babylonians. They're actually being taught how to serve in the king's court. They're being taught the history of Babylon. They're being taught about the kings and about the gods of Babylon. And we learn in verse 5 that it even is to the point where the king, it says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Everything, every aspect of their life was made to be Babylonian, even eating from the king's table. And so today, we are going to uh, start in verse 8, and we're going to pick up from there, from the king's table. And it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Lane, can I have my water? Um, so there, I was talking to Eric this week, and he pointed out that there are lots of ways, and Eric talked about this last week too in his sermon, there are lots of ways where Daniel and his friends were being asked to be something other than what the law, what, what God's law asked them to be. Um, so that we, when we talk about the king's table, often if you've been in, in church for a while, what we talk about is that the king's table was food that was, had been offered to other gods, had been offered to idols. Um, and so Daniel did not want to take from the table because this was food that had been offered to other gods or it was meats that, he could, that they couldn't eat. And that's true. Uh, but there are other ways where Daniel was being asked to do things uh, that he probably shouldn't have been doing according to the law. I mean, we talked about uh, that he was learning like the magic and the, the customs of Babylon. But this is where Daniel takes, a, takes his stand, is around food. And part of the reason for that is that Daniel, or the Israelites, what made them often different in the most obvious and clear way from the people around them was what they ate. It was their food. Um, they couldn't eat certain things. They, couldn't, um, they, had, there, there was, they made sacrifices of food to God. And they, those were part of their identity. And so this is where Daniel takes his stand, around the table, around the food that they ate, as a reminder of that they were not meant to be in exile, that they, well, that they were not meant to be in Babylon, that this was something that was broken. It goes on. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And again, we follow up from last week with another theme, which is that the people of God are in exile 
because God allowed them to be in exile. It's not because, so it says King Nebuchadnezzar in in verse 1, or in verse 2 it says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. It says the Lord delivered Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. It wasn't that Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Israel. It was that God delivered them into his hand. And there's this recognition by Daniel that of the sovereignty of God. That God is the one who is in control and that he, he sit, he's in exile um, because God has him there. And again in verse in, in today's passage, in verse 9, it says, Now God caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. It's not the official um, had sympathy on Daniel. It's that God caused him to have sympathy and show favor to Daniel. He recognizes God's sovereignty. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. All right. How many, how many people have heard of the Daniel fast? How many of you have done the Daniel fast? Yeah, all right. So the Daniel fast is like you, you just eat vegetables and water for a period of time. Um, and yeah, just vegetables and water uh, for some of our vegetarians. That sounds great. But uh, so we view this and then, and then there's like people who have done like a, a diet based on what Daniel did. And so we can, we can go to our, we have two doctors in the evening service. Um, they're Dr. David and Dr. Guy. Uh, my brother and my dad. Um, and we can go to them and we can say, okay, uh, I want to look more, uh, more healthy and more well-nourished. What should I eat? Should I eat the, the meat and the wine and all this amazing, delicious food? I'm not a vegetarian. All the meat and the wine, and the, or should I eat the um, vegetables and water. Which of those do you think they would say you should eat? I'm going to go with the vegetables and water. That's what I think, you know, when we think of vegetables and water, we think of, you know, trim, healthy. That's what we think of. But that's not what this means. It doesn't mean, when it says well-nourished and healthy, it doesn't mean that they looked trim and fit. It means that they looked plump. It means that they looked fatter. That's what it means. Which is weird because they're just eating vegetables and water. 
This is the first, the first moment, the first time um, that, and we'll see more as we go through Daniel, but it's the first time of God showing up in, in really unexpected ways. In a really unexpected way. We would expect, and the chief official and the guard who gave them vegetables and water expected them to look uh, not well-nourished, not, not plump, as Eric said this week. Plump, would you say plump vegetarians? Plump vegetarians. Not, we would not expect them to look that way. We would expect them to be skinnier, um, and yet they looked more well-nourished. And this is significant because the king wanted the, these men that he had taken— these were the men who were the, the royals. They were the, they were the noble people. They were the, the young, strong men fit to serve. This is what they did every time they conquered someone. They took the young men and they, they, it was the people who would have risen up and caused the rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. And they took them and they made them Babylonian. And, but they took other people too. And then what he wanted was for these men to then go out among the people, to be walking around, and you see that person and you go, oh, he's living well. He's living, he's got nice clothes on. He doesn't have to work. He's looking well-nourished. And so if they didn't look that way, the chief official was the one who was going to lose out. Um, Eventually, it'd be them. But first, it'd be the chief official. First, you take care of the person who's giving them the food. And so the whole point was to, to say, look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look at how great he is. He's giving them food. He's giving them good food. And they look well-nourished. And this is the place where Daniel takes a stand. In exile when our identity is constantly being stripped away and we're constantly being poured into by the world, we're constantly being told what our identity should be. Daniel takes a stand and says, no, I'm going to hold on to my identity as a child of God. And God honors that. First of all, he makes them look well-nourished, even though they're just eating vegetables and water. And then, um, it says, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. 
in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So God, God blessed them. They stood at the king's table. They said, no, we're going to eat vegetables and water. We're going to hold on to our identity um, as children of God, as his people. Um, and he blessed them. And Daniel, it says Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Um, if you know the rest of the Old Testament, there's a book called Ezra. Um, and Ezra was when, they, when the people, when the first exiles returned to Jerusalem. And the beginning of Ezra says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of, kings, of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation in writing throughout his kingdom, make a proclamation throughout his realm, and to put it in writing. And it continues. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, Ezra is when the first exiles return and they go back to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. And Daniel, through the exile, um, gets to be at that moment. It's the first year of King Cyrus when they return. Um, we are in exile. We live in, in a world that is, that is broken, that is constantly stripping away our, our identity and offering us other things to trust in offering us other identities to hold on to. We're being told constantly um, that, we are, um, that we are worthless, that we, um, that we are not important, that we don't have a voice. What are, what are some other things that we hear, some identities that we're offered? Some identities that you hear. Good enough without God. More powerful than other people. The community is not strong enough to help you. Political identities, yeah. That give political identities that actually give hope for the for the world rather than trusting God. We're offered these things, and they're constantly offered to us. We're fed identities. We're fed. Uh, we're fed. You are worthless. We're fed. You are better than people. We're fed. You are. Um, you are Democrat. We're fed. You are Republican. We're fed. You are. Yeah. You have what it takes. Yeah, to do it yourself. You, you have it. You can do it. 
we're offered things that are of the self. It would have been good to serve the king in Babylon. It would have been good for, and it was, but it was good for them not because they participated in everything, not because they ate from the king's table, not because um, they were, they felt good about themselves because they were standing in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. It was good for them because they, they stood, they took a stand, and they, took, they, they acknowledged that they were different, that they were separate, that they were meant to be different. And they held on to their identity as children of God, and God elevated them in lots of really cool ways. And we're going we're gonna to see, um, as we move on through Daniel, some of those ways. But there's three ways, there's three things that I want to, three things that I want to encourage us to look at um, out of this. The first is that eating, eating vegetables and water every day um, was a regular and consistent reminder. It was a regular and consistent reminder that they were different, that they should be different that they should be separate from the world and that they should be listening for God's voice, that they were the people of God. It was a regular and consistent reminder. They ate at the king's table every day. The second regular, consistent reminder. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got it. The second is that this was risky. This was, this was a risk. This was exposing. To stand up and to say, I'm going to be different. I'm going to eat vegetables and water. I'm going to expose myself to maybe I'm not going to look more well-nourished. And I'm going to invite other people with me. And they're going to be at risk. This was risky. To, to stand up and to say I'm different in this world, to stand up and say that I believe in God, that I believe that I should be living in a different way, is risky. And the third is that what Daniel and his companions did was in community that Daniel and his companions stepped into this in community. They did it together. Um, they did not go alone. And in a lot of ways, what we practice on Sunday is, is this. Um, even in, in a world where, where there's rarely a statistical difference between um, Christians and the way they act and the rest of the world. We, there is a difference in that we come here on Sunday and we, we stand in community and we take that time out of our schedule to come together and honor God and listen to him and to eat together. Because part of the reason food was so important was that it's, it's eating together. It's coming together at the table and thanking God for what he has, has provided for the nourishment 
And so what we do here is, is consistent. It's, it's regular. It's a regular and consistent reminder. Um, it's actually risky to come here to be exposed, um, to offer who we are, um, and, it, and it happens in community. Uh, so while we do that on Sundays, um, and we do that at Pilgrim Group and Manassas Community, there's another period of time during the year where we, we celebrate Lent. And Lent's coming up in a few months, and it's the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter. And during that time, we, uh, we fast. It was a time traditionally when people who were going to be baptized um, fasted and prepared themselves for baptism, and the, the people, the rest of the church, joined them in that. And we practice now not in depriving ourselves because of a punishment, but act- because we're sinners, or, but actually in creating space to spend time with God. And so this week, what I'd like to invite you into is uh, sort of a mini Lent. Um, take some time this week and, and, and create some separation from the world. So if you uh, watch a TV show every week, maybe don't watch that show this week. If you have a dedicated time to spend on social media, step away from that. If you don't usually eat meals together, sit down and eat meals together. And that's the important part is do it in community. So if you, are, if you're, if you're, if you have your family, do it together with your family. Um, if you don't live, live with anyone else, um, then take time and find someone to do this with. Um, Because it's important for us to remember that we are not what the world offers us. Um, And that the world will constantly try to strip away who we are and offer us these other identities. And it's important for us to remember that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can be called children of God. Um, So take time this week and remember that. Um, and actually set aside time to spend with God together in community. I don't know what time it is. It's 11.07. I have some time. So if we have questions or responses, now's the time. I don't have the microphone, though. Um, you hear me? Yep. Do you think it's true that um, that exile that we were talking about that uh, you know kind of strips us of our identity, we put that on ourselves? I mean, yeah, it's true that a lot of the things that we hear, uh, we have heard, but in the moment or even for a long period of time, we might have not. It's ourselves that are putting ourselves in that exile that are, you know, we're stripping our identity of ourselves because we're depriving ourselves of the gift that's there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think we do that a lot. Um, and we, we play tapes uh, that, that say, you are this, you are that. And we actually take that, we strip ourselves of that. Um, but those, those 
things that are offered to us come out of out of both our our own sinful nature and out of the world. So it still happens in in exile. It's not just the voices outside coming in, but it's the voices that we have actually taken in and speak to ourselves. Yeah. Kevin. Before Kevin gets the mic, quick question on risk. Could you uh, restate or summarize the risk <laughs> aspect? Where's with it? Nobody could hear me. Yeah. Oh, it's for the recording. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I wondered if you could summarize the risk that you were talking about. I wasn't super clear on that. Yeah, the risk um, is in that they they could have um, they could have not looked nourished, and and often we we risk because God calls us to, and we step out into His kingdom because God calls us to. Um, and that, and it doesn't, we sometimes experience that God doesn't come through. Um, in this case with Daniel, God did. And sometimes when we risk, those things happen. And I think even in, in, in the immediate, uh, like stepping out and having a second service in the morning was, was risky. But I believe that God has honored that. Um, and has created a lot of space for us to be in relationship in better and new ways. It's actually just Kevin's dad and Kevin's brother. Yeah. And now Kevin. <laughs> an observation and something I find encouraging from the story of Daniel, but particularly this section of it, and that is this integration that Daniel and his friends have in the secular realm that though they were set aside and were God's holy people uh, destined for something, they weren't doing that independent from what was going on in the world. In fact, they were given incredible influence in the world. And I think it's easy for me to think about wanting to become distant uh, from the world so as to not be um, contaminated by it. But in fact, perhaps there are opportunities for tremendous influence when we step in and hold closely to our identity in the midst of it. Yeah. And that's what we're called to. And I, I believe there were other areas that Daniel and his friends were asked to do things that according to the law, they probably shouldn't have. Um, but the place where they take their stand, and we're going to see some of those ways later on in the book of Daniel, but they still part, they still were involved. They still um, participated in the King's, in the King's court. And God honored that and actually made them, made people saw them and saw that they were different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I just, I think the risky part feels really, uh, I don't know, I think it feels really unknown. So I'm just curious as, I don't know, we're at lunch and stuff like, because I think it's hard to know, you know, what are the risky places? Like, what are the things, like, they take their stand on food at the time because food in Jewish culture was such a big deal. Um, and so I wonder what are the things in our culture that are, like, such a big deal, like, you know, with work, what do we, or with friendships, or with how we, like, hang out with people, like, what are the things, I don't know, it's more like a lunch 
continued into the day conversation, but like, it makes me wonder what are the things in our lives that we feel like we should be doing because we should fit in and we should look this way to our bosses or to our workmates and what are the things that actually God's inviting us to like either step away from or either step into and um, that seem really risky for fear of like exposing how we're connected to the kingdom of God. And uh, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like a really surprising thing. So I'm, I'm curious. You guys should come and tell me what you think because I feel kind of stuck on this one. Yeah. And I think that the in our world we are uh, in in the United States we are unlikely um, to to have to risk our lives um, for what we believe. It's un it's unlikely that we're going like Daniel that we're going to do something that if if it doesn't work we're going to be killed um, here. But we do. The, the thing that we lose out in a lot is is um, and that we're afraid of is is loss of relationship. So if I stand here, if I do this, then I will lose relationship. Um, so what does that look like? Hey, Pastor Eric. Um, I really like the book of Daniel, but what what's fascinating to me about this base and and the, the theme that keeps going through it is that Daniel takes an opportunity. He walks through the door that's in front of him and when he does that and it's a risk at that point God reveals things to him. It says he becomes a person who knows how to interpret dreams. And and you see this theme going through the the, the whole book of Daniel is Daniel and his friends, but mostly Daniel standing up for something or taking an opportunity to walk through and proclaim Jesus and God revealing or proclaim God and, and uh, God revealing things to him, yep. which is is a really cool thing. But also, what you see through the book of Daniel and is that when Daniel walks to the door, when Daniel stands up for what he believes in, the enemy and and evil does begin to press against you even harder. When you stand up, the risk is that you are choosing an enemy. You're really saying, "I I am against what is dark and evil. What is what is wrong in this world. And when you tell that to Satan and to the powers of the world, they don't react well to that. And so you have, you, you, what your risk is, is that you're actually saying, I'm ready f- to fight, and this is where I'm going to stand. Um, I think that's, it's a risk. Yeah. It, Did you, Rose, oh, and Andrew, really quick, and then we got to be, let me get done. Um, it's kind of a more of a parallel to me, but you're talking about the whole risk thing and, you know, stepping outside of the, I guess, company line that Babylon was laying down for Daniel at the time. I kind of think kind of forward to some of the New Testament where the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water and Peter being the <laughs> the gentleman that he was, you know, wanted to take out and take that risk. And I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, Obviously, he did show his humanity once he was out there and got <laughs> scared. But I think so often we choose to stay in the boat where it's safe, where instead of saying, you know, I'm taking these steps out here. And obviously, you know, he had to be saved once he was out there. But I mean, so often we choose not to take those initial. St- yeah, we have to sometimes walk out that first step to get out of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. 
rose and then no you sure okay all right all right yeah let's pray father thank you for this time thank you um for the book of daniel thank you for the encouragement and um i pray that this week as we as we step out um that you would honor that and that you would uh, bring us hope and encouragement along the way um, through our community and through unexpected ways. Uh, bless this time that we spend together talking and um, worshiping you and bless the food. In your name I pray. Amen.